Hi, welcome to the New Story Church podcast. We hope that this week's message encourages you and brings you closer to Jesus. And this is a critical conversation for us to have in discussing trust because trust is actually one of our core values here at New Story Church. We actually say that when people are living in the new story that Christ has for them, that they will begin to live a life of trust in trusting God and learning what it means to trust others, that we will be a people who are marked by trust. And so today for us to talk about trusting Jesus, for us to trust in the Lord, for us to trust in God above all else, I'm going to start right off in Matthew chapter 14. Now, if you're new to church, maybe you're unfamiliar with all of this, Matthew is the first book in what we call the New Testament. Matthew is essentially a biography of the life of Jesus. It was written 2,000 years ago. Matthew walked closely with Jesus. He was a tax collector, and he was writing down these events, these things that he saw with his own eyes that Christ did, including the resurrection of Christ. And today we're going to pick up in Matthew chapter 14, and we're picking up in an interesting story where Jesus has went away to pray, and his disciples, his best friends, his closest followers are out on a boat, and a storm comes, and it seems as if things might be a little bit uncertain. So I'm going to pick up right in the story here in Matthew chapter 14. It says this, immediately, immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. Jesus was sending the crowds away. He needed some alone time. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. I love that. They think he's a ghost. And instead of just saying, oh, I'm not a ghost, he says, hey, don't worry. It's me. Don't be afraid. It's all good. I, I don't know. If I, if I saw something that I thought was a ghost, I would need a little bit more than just, hey, don't worry. It's, it's, it's me. Don't worry about it. It's all going to be good. But, this is, but in this passage, we find an, a, a circumstance where Jesus is drawn away. The disciples are out on a boat. And then Jesus shows up in the middle of the storm and says, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. So if you're taking notes, the title of today's message is Trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus. What does it mean for us to trust Jesus, specifically when we're in the middle of a storm, and it seems as if he probably knew that that storm would be coming? How do we learn to trust him even in those moments and even in those seasons of life? How do you, how do you begin to trust Jesus when you find yourself in a spot where he has went away to pray, and you're out on a boat, and a storm has come, and since he is God in the flesh, he probably knew that the storm was coming, and he let you go through it anyway. For them, it was a literal storm, but for you, it might be something in regards to your life situation or something that's happened to you or around you. How could you possibly learn to trust him when he knew that was going to happen? Have you ever found yourself in that moment saying, God, why did you let this happen? God, if you knew this was going to happen, why did you let me make that decision? God, if you knew this was going to happen, why did you let me enter that relationship? God, if you knew this was going to happen, if you knew that the storm was going to come, why did you allow this to happen? How can we possibly trust him in moments like that? Or in moments when he does finally show up, but when he shows up, he doesn't look the way that we thought he would look. It's a ghost? 
And you're thinking to yourself, okay, I think Jesus is present. I think he's at work in this, but this isn't the way that I thought it would look. This isn't happening the way I thought it would happen. Jesus, what's going on here? Or maybe he finally shows up and says, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And you're thinking, it's about time. Where were you? Why did it take you so long? And for those of you who might think it is irreverent or inappropriate or wrong to question God or or wrong to question Christ in those moments where you're wondering what could be happening, I would just suggest that you should read the Psalms because you will see wrestling and tension and questioning. I would recommend that you even look at the very words of Jesus as he's hanging on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are these moments that happen in life where where waves are happening, where a storm is occurring, and we're saying, why, God, would you allow this to happen, especially if you knew it was going to happen? How could I possibly trust you if you would send me out to sea into this horrible situation, and you knew it was coming, and then you show up at a time where it's like, hey, I've already been through a lot right now. It's pretty painful. It's It's pretty dark out here, and now you're showing up? It's okay to question. It's okay to wonder. And in those moments, how do we build trust for Jesus? How do we trust that he still is good, that he still loves us, and we are still his children once we've decided to follow him? Because in some seasons, in some moments, it feels as if, has he forgotten about me? How can we grow to trust in him? And so for us to to develop in answering that question today, we're going to continue to walk through Matthew chapter 14. And typically with my points, they're like application points directly, and these points have some application to them, but I'm more so looking at them as sections or headings within the story so that we can break this story down. And the first section I want us to see in Matthew chapter 14 is this, is the invitation to trust. The invitation to trust. Now, I revealed last week, if you were here, if you weren't here, that's okay, that uh, the, the title for this series, Do You Trust Me, came from the movie Aladdin, the, the Disney movie. Uh, if, you, if you've never seen this movie or you need a bit of a refreshment, the first time Aladdin meets Jasmine, who's the princess, Aladdin is without a home, he's on the run, he sings a whole song about how he's a street rat, it's a beautiful song, you can go listen to it another time, but, uh, but he, he sings about this. Then Jasmine, she's a princess who's been in the palace her entire life, and she wants to get out of the palace, she wants to explore life, And so she dresses up as an ordinary person. She's out on the street. She encounters Aladdin. They end up being on the run together. He takes her to what he calls his home, but it's not really much of a home at all. And they're talking to one another. And it's this weird thing where they're both venting about their life. And then at the end of it, they both say, I just feel trapped or something like that. They both say they feel trapped, which is an interesting thing because one has everything and one has nothing, yet they both feel trapped. That could be a whole other sermon in and of itself. But anyways, uh, so so then uh, the henchman who had been chasing Uh, from the palace who'd been chasing Aladdin. They get up to where Aladdin had been living and they see him and Aladdin realizes, I have to run, I have to get out of here. And he doesn't know that Jasmine's the princess and that she could stop this entire thing. So he looks at her and says, do you trust me? And he extends his hand to her. And in that moment, there's a confidence in his face and a look of concern in her face, but she puts her hand in his, she trusts him and they jump out of this opening, they jump a few stories down and then they end up getting captured anyway. They risk their lives and they end up still getting captured. But the reason I bring that up is because when, when Aladdin said, do you trust me? And Jasmine followed him and they jumped out of the window. He was introducing her to a new reality. 
He was introducing her to a life that she had never experienced before. He was introducing her to a way of seeing things that she had never, she had never seen things in that way and in that context before. All she ever knew was the confines of the palace and now she's experiencing a life that is without limits where you just jump out of windows and somehow you get away with things. Then the second time this happens, Aladdin is lying to Jasmine about who he is. He's pretending to be a prince. He's on a flying carpet of all things. And he says to her, do you trust me? They get onto the carpet. And I watched this scene this past week just to refresh my mind as well. They cover a lot of ground in one night on that carpet. They go to a lot of places. That thing is moving. They're, they're in, they go by, uh, the, they, go, they go through Egypt, they go to China, they go all over the place on this carpet in one night. It's quite impressive. But anyways, they, they, they get through this carpet and he says, do you trust me? And in this moment, when he says, do you trust me? And they get onto this carpet that can somehow fly, not only is he introducing her to a new reality, he's introducing her to a new level of comprehension, a, a different way of comprehending and seeing the world, a world in which carpets can fly. It's a completely different level of understanding things. It's a completely new perspective. It's a new reality and a new comprehension. And what we see in this story is that Jesus comes walking along on the water, which would have introduced a new type of reality to those who are following Jesus. Humans didn't walk on the water. And then he begins to invite Peter to walk on the water with him, which would have been a new level of comprehension. This is a new way of seeing things, that in the midst of the storm, you don't have to be shaken by the storm, but you can walk through it if Christ is with you. This is a new reality and a new way of seeing things. Look at this in Matthew chapter 14, verses 28 and 29. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. A lot of people end up making fun of Peter, but I give Peter a lot of credit here. How did he know this was not some kind of like weird prank or something? Or some guy just said, hey, come on out. He said, hey, if it's, if it's you, just tell me to come out. Okay, I guess so. Like, I guess, I, I, you know, Jesus said, come. So, so Peter walks out on the water, and in doing this, he's experiencing a completely different reality. He's experiencing a completely different realm of what he understands to be human. He's experiencing a completely different experience than he had ever experienced before. And Jesus is calling out to each and every one of us. In the midst of the storm, when the waves are crashing in, when it seems as if darkness has won the day, when it appears as if I, I can't get out of this. I don't know what to do. I don't have the answers. I'm not sure. Jesus invites us to see a new way of life. He invites us to see a new reality, a new standard, a new level of comprehension. And he wants us to see that when we keep our eyes on him and he brings us forward into this new reality, that we can do things that we never thought that we could possibly do before. Because when you're connected to the creator, you are connected to the one who holds and sustains all things together. And there's a reality and a comprehension that exists exists above and beyond and outside of the one that we are currently experiencing. And so my challenge for us today is that whenever something is happening around you or whatever is happening to you is that you would accept that invitation to trust. You would accept that, that voice of Christ calling you forward. Because when the storm comes, you have, you have a couple of decisions you can make. You have a few decisions. You can choose to walk towards Jesus as he's calling you forward, or you can choose to walk away from him. Or you can be like the other disciples who say, oh, I'm not really going to go towards him or away from him. I'm just going to try to stay in the boat and hope that he eventually shows up and does something. How often do we find ourselves sitting in the boat hoping that God will eventually come along and he's been there the entire time calling us forward? 
How often do we sit around saying, oh, you know, Jesus will eventually show up. He'll eventually take care. And he's saying, no, I'm calling you forward. I want you to experience a new reality, a new life, a new story where you will see things that you never thought you would see before, where you will comprehend things in a new way that you thought you would never be able to comprehend them in that way before. And there's a higher way of viewing and seeing things. And Christ is calling you forward forward even in the midst of the storm. We don't have to be paralyzed by it in the boat, but we can take that step forward because he is calling us forward. The invitation to trust. Secondly, the second story in the heading is focus. Focus. This got me to thinking a little bit about, do any of you remember the first time you were at a store or in an amusement park or a mall with your parents or a guardian and, and you got separated from them. Does anybody remember that? The first time it ever happened to you, you're were, you were pretty panicked and you're really not that far away, but you think that you are. I remember the first time that I decided to journey away from my mother. I was, I was living in North Carolina. That's, that's where I was born. And I don't remember the story. It's not one of those stories I remember like every detail of, but I'm pretty sure we were in Kroger, which is like a discount version of Wegmans. They think that they're good, but they're not. And it's, it's down south. So, so I, I was at Kroger, and, uh, and I, I, I don't know what it was. Something distracted me, and I went the, an opposite direction of my mother, and I thought, oh, I'll find her in a moment. And then when I decided to go look for her, I went down looking a few aisles, and she had actually went in the other direction. And so I'm going down these aisles, and as a kid, I'm already getting, where is my mom? What could happen? Because, you know, Home Alone is really cool in the movies, but in real life, when you're a kid, it's not so exciting. You're thinking, uh, what am I going to do? And so I'm going to, and then finally, finally, my mom finds me. It was probably literally three minutes, but as a kid, it feels like 20 minutes. My mom finds me, and she grabs me by the arm. I don't remember exactly what she said to me, but knowing my mom, she probably said, you're in some hot water, Scott Lackey. That was always her line. You're in some hot water, Scott Lackey. And then she said, don't you ever run away from me again. And she, she wasn't upset with me. She wasn't mad at me, I don't think. Maybe she was. But I think a lot of times in those situations, a parent will communicate anger or communicate frustration because they say, hey, I value you and I love you and I don't want you to be distant from me. I don't want to lose you. So my mom was trying to get me to see the intensity of the moment. But what happened in that moment was my mom did not really lose focus on me. What had happened was is I had lost focus on her. You see, we had built up enough trust that she knew that she could probably look at something on the aisle and, and that I would stay close by. But in that moment, I decided to wander a little bit. I decided to look elsewhere, and then I became separated for just a moment. And this is what happens a lot of the times when we start to go forward into the life that Christ has called us to, we begin to lose focus. We begin to look around. We begin to become distracted. And we are the ones who begin to lose focus. And this is what happens to Peter. Look at this in Mark chapter 14, verses 30 through 31. But seeing the wind, Peter began to look at the wind. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? He did ask him a question, but nonetheless, he still sticks out his hand and he knew exactly where Peter was and he picked him up. And I, I, I want someone to hear this today. Somebody needs to know this today. You may have lost your focus on Jesus, but he will never lose his focus on you. Come on. You may lose focus on Jesus, but he will never lose focus 
on you. He always knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you need. And while you might be drowning, do not hesitate to call out because he will always extend his hand to you. There is grace available to you. There is mercy available to you. There is life and hope available to you. And you may have lost focus on him. You may be sinking. You may have looked at the wind, but he's saying, while you looked at the wind, I have not stopped looking at you. And he's extending his hand down and he will pick you up no matter where you find yourself. Oh, I was so distracted by the storm. I just got looking at the storm. But if you just call upon the name of Jesus, he knows exactly where you are. He will meet you right there. He will pick you up by the hand and carry you into the new life that he has for you. He will not lose focus on you. He has not lost focus on you. And I think sometimes what happens is, is when we start to drown, when we start to sink, when we took our eyes off Jesus and put our focus on the wind and we're starting to drown, what we want instead of Jesus is we start looking for the answers. Why am I drowning? Why is this happening? I gotta get a read. Why? And we're just looking for answers. I wanna know, I wanna know why I'm drowning. Why am I drowning? How do I do this? How do I get that? Why? And then what we begin to discover and find is that people or, or institutions or whatever that maybe did have the answers for some things, they don't have the answer for everything. And then we start to get even more frustrated because we're drowning and we want to know the reason why we're drowning. What's the answer? Give me the answer. I got to know. I want to know. What's the answer? And then we start to find that the, that the places that we've been going to for the answers don't always have all of the answers. The news does not always have all of the answers. Social media does not always have all of the answers. And even on a more personal level, your family may not always have all of the answers. As a spouse for Kim, sometimes I have to recognize I don't have all of the answers. Sometimes we have to recognize that we just don't have, sometimes the doctors, they don't have all of the answers. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, you know, you know, look for wisdom and advice from other humans, but sometimes not all of the answers are available to us, but sometimes you don't need the answer. You just need a way out. Could you imagine if Peter was drowning and he's like, hey, uh, Jesus, I was wondering, could you, could you tell me while I'm drowning right now, uh, could you please explain to me the answer as to why a human being would drown in the middle of the storm while they're walking on water? I would just like to know the reasoning behind this and to why this would happen to a human being in the middle of a storm and why we can't really swim very well in these types of situations. And why is I as a human, why can I not walk on water? And can you please give me the answer to gravity, Jesus, and how exactly that works? Could you imagine if he would have done that? You're drowning. You don't need the answer right now. You just need a way out. And in those moments, when, when you're drowning, when you're sinking, instead of becoming so distracted of, I need to find an answer, call upon the one who is the way. Because while Jesus is the answer, and he does have the answer, he may not always give you the answer, but he will always give you a way. He will always give you the way out. He is the way maker, as we were singing earlier. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he may not always give you the answer, but he will always extend his hand to you, and he will always give you the way. He always has a way out for you. He will always lead you into victory. He will always lead you into new life. He will lead you to the place that he, that he has for, in store for you. He has not lost his focus on you. He will not lose you. He will not lose you. He has not lost you. And he will not lose you. If you're comfortable, would you look at your neighbor and just say, he will not lose you? Just say it. Shout it if you have to. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Just shout it. There you go. That's good. If you're online, type in the chat. He will not lose you. He will not lose you. But I get it. I could stop, I could stop the message right here. 
And some of you would say, you know what? I feel, I feel built up. I feel, I feel ready to go in my faith. He will not lose me. He hasn't lost focus on me. I have strength. It's, you'd feel so good. But then you'd go home in this afternoon. You would get that phone call or that text message. And the thoughts and the emotions would start flooding into your mind and your heart again. Or something would happen later this week. And you'd start maybe thinking about the message. You'd start thinking about the story but you'd say, you know what, it's all just coming back again. And, and, and it's just like, it just keeps coming. It, the waves keep hitting. The storm is not stopping. And some of you are asking yourself this question, and this is the third section of the story. When will it stop? This is the question you keep asking. When will it stop? Jesus, how many times do you have to pick me up? Jesus, when will it stop? Because it seems like it just keeps happening over and over again. It seems like this will not end. It appears as if the storm will not stop. And as I was preparing this message, in my mind, I was having a little bit of a battle because I was saying to myself, yes, we as a church, we need to hear this. We need to know that he will extend a hand and pick us up and rescue us. We need to know that. We need to know that he hasn't lost focus on us. But then I started thinking, you know, we, we've done some messages like this already. We aren't even a year old as a church. And back in November, we did Face It. And we talked, about, uh, we talked about Moses and Joshua, be strong and courageous. And we talked about Gideon and David and how you can be strong in the Lord. And no matter what comes your way, you can face it when God is fighting for you, when God is on your side. And it's like, you know, we already did Face It. Do we really need to do a message series like this? And then I kind of felt the Holy Spirit remind me that some of the things that some of us were dealing with back in November with Face It, we're still dealing with right now. And then I was like, well, okay, okay, okay. Well, in, in February, we did this series called Breathe, and we talked about anxiety and worry and trials. And, and you know, maybe, maybe, you know, we really don't need to do that because we talked about having peace. And then, once again, I felt God kind of saying to me, hey, some of the things that we were dealing with in February, some people are still walking through that right now. And then over the past month or so, we've started putting out these prayer cards with New Story Church. And I've been seeing and noticing that there are a lot of people in our church who are dealing with some pretty heavy and difficult things. And then even through personal conversations that I've been having with different people who call this church home, and maybe even it's your first time here today and you're carrying something with you, wherever you find yourself, I've been noticing that there's this consistent theme that life is difficult, things are hard, and some of us are still carrying things from November. Some of us are carrying things that were happening before November. Some of us are still carrying things from February. Some of us, something just happened this past week, and you're saying, oh my goodness. Oh my, it feels like the storm is crashing in, and I feel like I lost focus, and I might be sinking. And you're just saying, when will it stop? When will this be over? I've had enough. I've just had enough. I'm, I've had, and you're just, when will it stop? And, I, be, and I, I was taking a really close look at this story, and I was looking at this story in Matthew 14, I began to realize that there were some things about it that I had previously believed to be true that actually were not the case. So for example, I used to think, and I don't know why I thought this, maybe I saw this in a Christian movie as a kid, or I don't know why I thought this, or maybe I just was not ever paying attention when I read Matthew, I don't know. But I used to think that the reason Peter sank was because he looked at his feet. 
And I could have given a whole message about, oh, you know, Peter started to sink because he was relying on his own power and not on Christ's power, and he was trying to walk. But then when you look at the story, it says that he looked at the wind. Like, okay, that's not, I don't know what happened. Maybe, I, like I said, maybe I saw a movie. Maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention. Maybe Matthew is a part of the Mandela effect. I don't know. If you don't know what the Mandela effect is, you can go look that up on Google later. But anyways, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. And then, and, then I, and then I was like, but you know what? Peter started sinking because he became focused on the wind instead of being focused on Christ. It wasn't because he looked at his feet. It was because he was looking at the wind. And then I saw something else in the story that I had never really, it never really jumped out or popped at me before. And some of you might, once I show this to you, you might be saying, Scott, do you pay, not pay attention at all when you read? But I was looking at this and this stuck out to me in such a powerful way and I pray that you would allow this to speak to you today. You see, Jesus picks up Peter and look at what happens in Matthew chapter 14, verse 32. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Look at that, when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Wait, 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 wait. So Jesus waited all the way <laughs> to get back to the boat before he stopped the wind? He didn't pick Peter up? That seems a little out of order. Why don't you stop the very thing that made Peter sink? Why don't you stop the very thing that distracted him and made him start drowning? And I think that, that what we need to see in this story is that he may not always stop the storm immediately, but he will always carry you through it. That when you call out to him and he picks you up, you, you might start to feel a little bit like, oh, I'm shaking still a little bit. I'm shaking, I'm shook, I'm nervous, but he cannot be shaken. And that he is existing in a reality and in a comprehension and in a space that is far above any circumstance we could ever experience. So you might be feeling as if, I don't know, why does this keep coming? But he will eventually get you to the boat. He will get you there. And, and he may not stop the storm immediately, but the storm that was affecting you so much, it, it can't do anything to him. It's got me to thinking a little bit about a power couple here at New Story Church. Many of you know them. Some of you are family members with them. Ed and Lisa Carrero. And I called Ed this past week. I said, Ed, can I share some of your story? Because I think it's just a perfect representation of what this looks like today for us. Of what it means to trust Jesus, even in the middle of a storm. Some of you know this story, some of you don't. And for those of you who do know this story, I'm about to share with you some details that you may not have previously known about this story. Ed is a mechanic. He owns his own shop, Carrera's Performance Plus. You should go there to get your cards looked at, and I did not get paid to say that, but it's amazing. Ed's really good to people. He's an honest person. Thank you. I always joke with Ed. I say the similar thing about your profession and my profession is people always assume that we're trying to swindle people. Uh, but, but anyways, uh, so... so He's a, he's a car, and he has this amazing shop, Career's Performance Plus. And, and last year, in late October, I was sitting at a little dive called Kelly's Corner that has some of the best wings in all of Buffalo. It's, it, I love this place. They make their own hot sauce with crushed red pepper, but that's another story for another time. And I'm sitting at Kelly's Corner waiting to meet Ed for lunch because we had planned to get lunch that day. We planned late lunch at 2 o'clock. 2.10 comes. Ed's not there. I'm thinking, it's not like Ed to be late. 2.20, I'm pretty sure it was around 2.20. Maybe it was 3, I'm pretty sure it was around 2. 2.20 comes, Ed's not there. I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Ed, what's going on here? So I text Ed, I call Ed, his phone is not responding. I'm thinking, what's going on? I called the shop, this is, uh, maybe I can get a hold of Ed through the shop and maybe something happened. And the shop, the, the phone is completely off the line. I'm thinking, what is going on? 
Finally, around 2.25 or 2.30, I get a phone call from an unknown number. It's Ed's wife, Lisa. And she said to me, Scott, uh, Ed told me he was supposed to meet you for a late lunch. The shop just blew up. I said, what? And she said, the shop just blew up. I was like, like, and she probably, I, I wouldn't blame her if she got a little frustrated with me in the moment because I'm thinking, blew up? Like in a movie? What are you talking about? The shop blew up? She said, the shop literally exploded. It blew up. I said, okay. And she said, can you come over? And I said, sure. She said, Ed was supposed to meet you for lunch. He's over here right now. So I drove over to the shop. Thankfully, nobody was injured. Everybody got out in just the nick of time. But the shop literally blew up. There was an explosion. Everything was destroyed on the inside. It was up, here, up on Elmwood Avenue. And... I was just, I was stunned by this. This was Ed's work for the past however many years of his life. He, I remember when his shop was at an even smaller place, and he, he continued to build this up, and he was walking in integrity as a, as a godly businessman, and he's building this thing up, and, it's, and then all of a sudden, it was just everything was gone. And in that moment, I'm standing there, and you can, you can smell, you know, the, everything's burnt, and it's just, you know, the firefighters had put everything out by the time I'd, I had arrived there. But on top of all of that, what I did not know in that time and what I now know is that Lisa was pregnant as well. Lisa was pregnant. So Lisa's pregnant. She's at this scene where her husband's shop has exploded. And for those of you who may or may not know this, uh, stressful situations are not good for, for, for pregnancy. Uh, it's not good to, to be in the middle of a, oh, oh, my husband's shop blew up and you're pregnant and you're having to deal with all of this. And a lot of emotions are happening in that moment. And I was just so blown away by the way Ed and Lisa walked by faith in that season and in that time. You see, just a couple months later, they still didn't know what they were going to do with the shop. I think Ed had told me at this point in time, yeah, Lisa and I are going to be having a baby. And, and get this, by the way, Lisa and Ed had been, had been trying to have a baby for seven years. Seven years. And after a lot of ups and downs and backs and forth, God had finally provided this for them. And now you're in this stressful situation it seems as if you've maybe lost everything. We got to December, and in December we were wrapping up a season at our church uh, where we were trying to raise $20,000 in a month. We were giving 10% of it away to Eight Days of Hope and Kenton Closet, and some of it was for the vision and mission of our church. We got to the last day of, of the giving campaign, and we were $19,000. We were trying to raise 20, and I thought, you know what, this is great. We raised $19,000 in a month as a small church plant in the middle of a pandemic. We're gonna celebrate God. We're gonna celebrate what God has done. And Ed came to me on the last day. He said, so how much did you raise? I said, well, we were 19,000. He said, close it out. I'll give you the last thousand. I said, Ed, 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 Ed. I tried to talk him out of it. <laughs> I actually tried to, I said, Ed, your shop just exploded. You have a baby on the way. You don't know what's gonna be happening next. We would love to have that, but, but this is probably not wise stewardship. I use that good Christian word, stewardship. This is not good stewardship. And, and so, and, and then he's like, nope, nope. And he, we went back and forth just a little bit. I didn't get too heated because I was like, well, it would be nice to have the $1,000. So, and then finally, Ed looked at me and he said, it's not my money, it's God's. I was like, whoa. That, that's, I was, I was like, whoa, what am I holding on to tightly, on to too tightly? And I just continued to watch them walk through this season. Not too long after that, God provided a way. They got a brand new shop. It's twice the size of the old one. They sold the old shop. And then, and then, as just about two or three weeks ago, we have a brand new baby in this world, Julian Carrero. Here's why I tell you this story. Yeah, you can clap for that. Here's why I tell you this story. Because in that time, in that season, were there moments when Ed and Lisa were a little bit shook, where they were frustrated, where they were miserable, where they were a little bit wondering, 
for sure. At least Ed told me so. But at the end, they were not shaken and they did not sink because they put their lives in the hands of the one who cannot be shaken. They put their life in the hands of the one who cannot be shaken. They said, you know what? I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on, but God told us he's gonna give us his family. God told us we're gonna be okay. And they, they knew that in that moment, and that spoke to me and my faith, and I wanted to let somebody know today that God got them to the boat. And if he can do that for them, if Christ can pick them up and carry them and get them to the boat, he will do the same for you. You just have to reach out. He will extend his hand to you and he will get you to the boat. When it seems as if things are un clear, he will bring clarity. When it seems as if you are drowning, he will deliver you. When the waves of life are crashing in and you say, I have to submit, we can declare and say, no, I don't because he is sovereign and he is in control of all things. And while this might be shaking me, it will not shake him. The, the Gospel of John describes Jesus as the Word, and the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus is the very Word of God. By the Word of God, by the speech of God, creation came into existence. Jesus was present in the act of creation. He was, he was, he was there with God in the triune nature of God that we don't have time to get all, but he is the very Word and the very essence and the very power of God. And I need somebody to know that the Word has power over the wind. The Word has power over the wind. That when the wind seems as if it's caving in, when it seems as if everything in your life is crashing in around you, that the word is calling you forward and he has power over the wind and he will carry you to the boat. This is why Jesus is worth trusting because the word has power over the wind. And here's what's really cool about this. When you begin to know that the word has power over the wind and you allow him to carry you even in the times when you're saying, I don't know what's going on right now, it says that in Matthew 14, 33, that others began to see that Jesus was the son of God because of what happened in that moment. When you allow the word to carry you, when you place your faith and your trust in him, you will begin to inspire other people's faith as well. The word has power over the wind. He is worth trusting. He is the deliverer. He is the life giver. He is the healer. He brings justice. He is the sustainer. And when we are drowning, just reach out to him because he will always deliver. And he can walk right through whatever it is that is bringing you down. Place your faith in him and he will not be shaken.